Jerry Agar in for John Moore this morning. We don't know what the situation will be tomorrow. He was on this morning at 5 o'clock. And then, uh, but joining me for a Test Tube Thursday is the News Talk 1010 science expert, Dan Riskin. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. So um, you guys wanted to talk about Whamageddon. And I got to tell you, I, I'm being told this is a radio game. I never heard of it. You've never heard of Whamageddon. So no. I was put onto this by uh, News Talk 1010 producer extraordinaire Joe Cristiano. I did not know about it either. But the basic idea, this is something that he's been doing for years. I started doing it last year. My wife knows I'm doing it, so she probably sunk my boat. The game is you try to go as long as you can in the month of December without hearing wham sing a christmas carol anywhere so if you walk into a store and it's on then you lose if uh if it if you have your your spotify going on shuffle or whatever and it comes up you lose if it's in an ad on tv or on the radio you lose and there so i'll let joe jump in are there multiple songs i just know it's wham it's just last christmas and it only applies to the original version of the song so you can go nuts on cover versions okay and I'm are you sure still can identify that song well we have well, a cover version Joe into playing it yeah we have a cover version so we're not screwing people up okay so you can play that for a sec here ah yeah okay you know who this is no but i know that song who's singing that ariana grande That's not george michael <laughs> From you know, end. you guys are lucky that I came in here on an emergency basis, because otherwise I would have loaded up on my buttons here, the, the Wham! version, and I would have just sprung it on you. So last year, that's what I did. I texted it to Joe. I tried to get him. I thought it would be really funny. So I recorded the audio with my phone, and I sent him an audio message, and he was <laughs> not falling for that. He's like, as soon as he saw the, the, the file type, he's like, I don't think so, Risk. And so that did not work. <laughs> you, right. But you're still going, eh? Like, how so, long did you last last, last year, uh, Joe? Well, actually, I did really, really really well because everything was locked down so i didn't go anywhere so i didn't have an opportunity to hear it in the store yeah there did you, you make it to christmas i i did and i posted about how i've survived you know two years in a row oh. they almost got me though in sobeys a couple of days ago when i had texted you because i was playing but fortunately it was a cover all right now oh that's yeah. close all right so back to science dan okay uh, okay all right all right good luck joe i hope you stay in there my, my wife just put and, it on there and get you knock you all out of the game all at once all right, I have no idea what you guys said because you were talking at the same time. But um, laser light therapy could be the key to improving short-term memory. Yes, this is weird. This study totally, I had a hard time believing it, but apparently it's the real deal. So this is called transcranial photobiomodulation, obviously. Now, yeah, just to obviously. Make it easy. <laughs> Yeah. What they do is they shine a laser at your head. That's what they should call it is shining a laser at your head. And what they've so previous studies, once they invented the laser, they were like, what can we do with this miraculous new invention? So way back in the 60s, they shaved some mice and shined lasers on half of them and didn't shine lasers on the other half. And the ones that had laser light on their back grew their hair back faster. And then they were like, oh, that works. Uh, let's try it with some other stuff. So since then, they've been trying it with like healing wounds in rats, mice and people um, relieving inflammation 
medication. They've even tried it as an analgesic. So if I shine a laser on you, maybe you won't feel as much pain, uh, you know, instead of using medicines. Uh, and for it to work, it's like a real voodoo thing. Like you have to have the right wavelength of light uh, and some some wavelengths of light or some colors don't work while other ones work very well. Um, you'd have to have the right brightness. Sometimes if it's too bright, it doesn't work. Sometimes uh, you have it on for too long. It has to be on for the right duration. It's really weird. And the thing is, nobody really knows how it works. Uh, it might affect mitochondria or immune cells, but it, you know, normally it's something on the skin. This is shining it at your head and it changes how your brain works. And so the first thing I did was I asked, does it really go through the skull? Is that possible? So I went and did some digging and it turns out they've tested this on cadavers where they basically have a, a light sensor inside the skull and they shine the light on the outside and they've shown that the infrared light that they use for this stuff, the infrared lasers, do go through the skull. And so it's, it's feasible that if you shine the right laser on somebody's head, the, li the light is actually getting through to the brain. And this latest study shows that there's a 10% improvement in working memory. So you're asking people to keep track of a list of things. Uh, they do better if you shine the light on the right temporal lobe and it's the right frequency as opposed to shining it on the left temporal lobe or using the wrong frequency on the right temporal lobe and, and they've shown effects so nobody knows why but it seems to work which is just really crazy does that differ if you're left-handed or right-handed no, it, well, they didn't get into that, but the, if, according to the study, it was the right temporal lobe, which is associated with keeping track of lists. And I think this is if this is sort of like that right brain, left brain business that doesn't vary depending on which handedness you have. Yeah. Well, you, you way back early, as you started to talk about this in the beginning, you talked about how the first thing they did was shave the mice. This is why I didn't become a scientist. <laughs> you didn't want to shave mice? No, I didn't. <laughs> I was out. So uh, we talked about this briefly on the morning brief, um, both uh, Mark Tui and I, um, that this study comes out that says short man syndrome is a real thing. And he and I commented on it because, as I put it, we're not the tallest Ontarians. You, on the other hand, are tall. I am uh, I six foot two. Well, a little taller than six foot two. And okay. I, I, you know, I, I always worry about the studies that sort of pick on people. And this felt like one of those. So I, I had my backup. Uh, this is a, a study, researchers in Poland and Australia working together to look at whether the Napoleon complex is real, whether people who are shorter uh, tend to show uh, certain traits that are, they call them the dark triad. Psychopathy, like being a psychopath, uh, callous and not caring about other people. Uh, narcissism, or having this inflated sense of self. And Machiavellianism, which is uh, pragmatic cynicism and duplicity, which, you know, it's getting highfalutin as far as I'm concerned. But there are these standardized tests you can give people, these questionnaires, you know, do, do you take advantage of people? So like, um, uh, do you wish you were, uh, do you tend to manipulate others to get your way? And do you strongly agree or strongly disagree or you, you fill out the form? So you answer all these questions and it gives you a score for how psychopathic you are and stuff like that. And so what they did is they recruited about 370 people from the United States, men and women, mostly men. And they had people enter their height into a questionnaire. And then they asked them all these questions. They also asked them if they wish they were taller. And what they report and what is truly true of the data uh, and what's getting a lot of headlines is that people who are shorter tend to score 
higher scores on these dark triad of traits. They tend so shorter people tend to be more psychopathic, more narcissistic, and more Machiavellian. But that is mostly true when they wish they were taller. However, even though it is true, I was like, well, how true is it? And so what I did is I went to their paper, I went to their supplementary information, I downloaded the spreadsheet of data, and I ran my own analyses on these. And I found that, yeah, you it is a significant trend for all three of these with height, but it's weak. It's very weak. And it's like, it explains about 2% of the variation in data. So it's, it's a, basically the data points look like a giant shotgun pellet, you know, scatter. And if you put a best fit line through it, it does go down. But if you look at how aggressive that slope is basically it, it, on a score of like one to five on how psychopathic you are in order to change your score by one point you would have to be three feet shorter so it's a very very shallow line it is significant technically but i don't think this is any reason to to pile on and pick on short people because it, it really doesn't tell you anything about the individual you're walking up to and what they're going to be like based on how tall they are so it's short of conclusive evidence there it is. That's, <laughs> okay. that's why they pay you the big bucks. Yeah, because I don't shave mice. All right. So, <laughs> Dan, Dan Riskin, our science expert, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Bye-bye.